Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. We are doing this differently today. Shine is out there in Las Vegas. I'm out here in Irvine, and we zoom, zoom, zooming it, bringing y'all another great episode of the IGCP. Yes, sir. What's going on, man? Oh, man, nothing much. Just out here enjoying this sun while it's here. Working I'm on out the here in, uh, I'm out here in Viva Las Vegas, and it's already over 100 degrees out here. Um, <laughs> But when I look outside, it looks beautiful out there. I ain't trying. I ain't trying to step out there and see though. Right. I was about to say you ain't trying to go outside and step on that concrete. Not I see one on the bottom of your foot. <laughs> exactly. I got. I got to go pick up uh, Sky Girl around five fifteen. I think her flight gets in. Um, but other than that, I don't even go outside until around six thirty or seven p.m. every evening, out on the patio and hang out. And around that around that time, how hot is it? What you think? Uh, it's still it's still above ninety uh, in the Woo. evening times out here. You know, uh, June, July, August, September are the hottest months in Vegas. Oh, and yeah. uh, June they kind of start out mid nineties. By the time we get to uh, uh, mid July, you're around the low one hundreds, and then August, September that's when you're up over one ten on a regular basis, Jeez. and then. Uh, by the time we go into October, um, it's starting to wind back down and come back down into the 80s and head towards the 70s. And we ran smack dab in the middle of football season. Yeah. Well, shoot. It sounds like if I pay you a visit, it's going to have to be during the wintertime because that heat, I don't know um, if I can get with it. <laughs> well, the only, <laughs> the only time the heat will bother you is if you come out of the airport and you uh, want to go get a rental car. Um, or somebody's picking you up, you know, you got to deal with the heat for about five or 10 minutes until you hop back in the car or you get on the shuttle to get go over to the rental center hub. That's true. Uh, but other than that, Vegas is all good, baby, because, you know, I didn't even go outside when I was in Cali like that, other than to step out on the patio. Yeah, that's true. Well, I know my times in Vegas, I was a little under the influence of maybe some alcohol or something, so the heat didn't really bother me too much, <laughs> Doing my times out there. Oh, you didn't notice that the heat was bothering you. Yeah, I ain't noticed it. I ain't noticed it at all. <laughs> uh, you, yeah, man. We got we got a dope conversation today. We were talking off air about it. Um, the topic of today's conversation is common financial disagreements that often derail relationships and your finances. Uh, oh man, I can't tell you uh, how much this here comes up with my clients. With uh, you know, one spouse disagreeing with the other spouse, cause it's typically only one spouse that's on the uh, right path and trying to do something um, uh-huh. to get their money leveled up to the next level, and the other spouse is uh, not on the same page with them for you know um, any one of several reasons, and uh, you know that's what um, we've always said in the financial profession is that uh, the worst uh, financial mistake you can ever make is uh, choosing the wrong mate. That's, yeah, uh, that's facts. Some, that's some they, big, <laughs> that I guess that's why they coined the, the phrase, what's love got to do with it? I would follow exactly. that and say everything. <laughs> it's got everything to do with it, man, because uh, that mate you choose, that's really going to drive, um, be the driver of a lot of other decisions, where you are, ultimately, what city you ultimately live in, mm-hmm. um, you know, where you choose to live at. Um, and what type of lifestyle you choose to pursue. And the toughest thing about it is, is like when we're out there single and we're in that uh, phase where maybe we're looking 
for a relationship, oftentimes the way we present ourselves is not the way um, we actually have our lifestyle structured. So um, you find that it's very misleading to make, especially yeah. brothers that go out there and ball and floss um, to get the woman. But then when you uh, cement the deal and get into a relationship, you know, the woman is looking for that same uh, quality of living and lifestyle um, that she enjoyed when you were out there looking for. Yeah. Um, but now that y'all are together, uh, you done tighten up the belt and now y'all eat noodles every night. <laughs> well, shoot, I mean, when it comes to the techniques of finding somebody, uh, what, what are some things you suggest? But before you answer that, um, uh-huh. I want to share a little insight on my my... How do I describe this? On yeah, the you knew on you the knew in the relationship thing, right? But yeah, I you well, I'm five years in, just newly engaged. Woo, that's where I would yeah, new, newly engaged, but you <laughs> yeah, you you've been in a relationship for five years, but you are now newly engaged, right? And um, I would imagine that now that you're newly engaged, y'all have already or y'all are getting back to the drawing board to take a look at uh, redoing your budget or maybe. Uh, uh, reprioritizing some things that you all need to get done uh, within the uh, uh, next 12 months as well as have mm-hmm. a three-year and five-year goal as well. Yeah, absolutely. If anything, it's just heightened our focus when it comes to finances. But a, a quick, funny little story, and, and Corey would even be able to tell you this. Before we got together, um, you know, me being in, interested in investing, you know, Robinhood, you, you could send somebody a link. And with that link, it's basically refer a friend and you get a stock. So she was like all head over heels for me at the time. And I was just like, get this stock. <laughs> and so you can get a free stock and I can get a free stock. <laughs> so, and now look at this. Fast forward today, I'm over here co-hosted on the IGC podcast. It's in the other room. So it, no, it then, <laughs> She received that as a good thing where she trying to see uh you know, uh, are you interested in me? And you out here trying to sell a deal to get you a free sh- couple of free shares right. in your portfolio? Right. How we, did she we, take that? Was she okay with that? Or oh, she, she was. She was real annoyed. Money? She was real annoyed back then, but now she laughs at it. I mean, it's it, it comes full circle because I'm. She see now that she knows me and she's with me. She sees my habits financially and you know, right. appreciation. So it's just a funny. It's just it's just really funny to laugh at. <laughs> like how it yeah, all goes full circle. I, I think that hit the, that that hits the nail on the head uh, when when it comes to the topic today about you know uh, financial disagreements because you're talking about exactly when y'all were back in those very initial stages and everything mm-hmm. and you already in the, the right mindset and you about uh, you know getting your money in order and stacking up and trying to get into investments and she just trying to figure out whether or not y'all can go out and have some coffee and you talking about <laughs> hit this link right here. <laughs> this link right here. <laughs> Cause, cause I got true. something from it. Speaking of link, if y'all want to hit the link in the show notes, y'all can definitely get a free share as well. Um, that same link that I sent her is in the show notes for both Shine and ourselves. So feel free exactly. to Exactly. Yeah, folks, y'all hit that <laughs> link out there and help, help me and Andre out. <laughs> and while you hitting that link, go ahead and hit the uh, uh, link to go over there to the uh, igotsense.com website and listen yeah. to the, um, all the podcasts all the way back to episode one. 
And I'm quite sure by the time you get episode 10, you'll want to go ahead and then uh, hit the link to go to the Patreon page too. They they can hit all them links. Yeah, they hit all them links. And guess what? When you hit that Robinhood link and you get your free share, you can send that link out to somebody and do what we did. Maybe that'd be a way to pull your pull your uh, life partner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 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 that worked out with you and Corey um, with you uh, sending her that link over. Was that y'all first date right there? That was that was uh according to me that was like the first step of yes <laughs> man, first step can, of what it is today. <laughs> yeah, I can I can see her face right now, man. That's what's, <laughs> that's what's <laughs> laugh so much. She, I can just envision her like nigga, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you probably sounded like you was in a Walmart parking lot trying to sell bootleg perfume. <laughs> So, so do you have any advice or techniques on, on how people can choose a compatible mate while keeping money at the forefront of their thought process and doing it? I mean, you know, I, I have, I definitely have some techniques, um, but you know, I'm also a Virgo. Mm. Um, I'm very uh, stringent. I'm kind of a professional asshole <laughs> um, and I don't mind judging people. I'm very judgmental. Okay. And uh, although that's one of the things that we're not supposed to be according to scripture, uh, me being judgmental has really, really helped me uh, make some really, really uh, good decisions as far as dating and who my, uh, you know, mate is. But, you know, like just from the get go, uh, Andre, typically uh, if I see a female, I try to assess, um, you know, uh, her mindset based on how she's dressed and um, how she moves around. So mm -hmm. definitely if it's a female that's driving a luxury car or she puts a lot of emphasis on the kind of car she drives because she has a big keychain with the uh, uh, emblem on it too. And she kind of lays that down for everyone to see. And, you know, if she wears a lot of jewelry and everything is about her red bottoms and the type of purse and all those types of things, uh, uh, that's definitely a red flag for me. Okay. Um, that's a quick turn off for me. Yeah. And yep. then uh, if she's talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, grabbing lunch and uh, Subway is not good enough because she prefers a five star restaurant um, overlooking the city. Um, you know, these are all judgmental things that I use to screen out who would be um, a compatible mate for me because I know those are deal breakers for me. Yeah, so basically what I'm hearing you say right now is just based on those red flags, you can immediately get a sense of that person's priorities when it Absolutely. comes to their spending habits versus they say potentially their saving habits as well. Um, right, their, their life priorities, uh, you know, what they like to spend their money on and mm -hmm. if they like to spend their money on high-end stuff, um, do they really have any money left over for saving and investing? Mm. And if they do, then now we have to take a look at uh, differences in earning. And I remember there was one conversation where you and I was having on the, on the podcast, and we were both uh, uh, of the same opinion that uh, I've never been in a situation where I had um, a partner that earned more money than me, significantly more money than me. And yeah. um, I would love to try that one out, wouldn't you? Well, I act so... <laughs> 
in my scenario, when I decided to go full time in my business, the earnings on my end dropped. So at that point, my significant other did make more money than me. Um, but we still. Oh, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. OK, yeah. But we still, um, you know, everything we just decided to do finances, finances split. Um, and fortunately, you know, I didn't have any moments of struggling, but mm-hmm. now I can say it's back to to where it was before. But gotcha. um, I think it's important to have that conversation when you're with someone um, or planning to be with someone, what your finances are and get a feel for the game plan that you guys can create. <clears throat> right. Because that's essential now, to making sure you hit your financial goals. Now, when did, <laughs> when, did you, when did you all have your very first serious conversation about uh, budgeting? Was it before or after you all uh, moved in together? Well, that's another funny story, Sean, because I've been trying to get her to budget for years now since before we moved in together. I'm the type of person that when people t- come to me and they be like, oh, man, I'm in debt or I got these financial struggles, I always be like, you know what? You ever heard of the Financial Foundation? And a part of that, I'm like, you know, I got this app. We could budget your own money and uh-huh. uh, see what you got coming in and you could assign a purpose to every penny that comes in. Right. So this was a conversation that was happening before we got together. This was a conversation that happened once we got together. And I think uh, I would say that once we moved in together, it just heightened because she couldn't run from it no more. And I had a meeting every month scheduled for us to go over our finances and she had that accountability piece. So to answer your question in short, I would say it happened early on, but it got more serious when we moved in together, at least on her behalf. Did you did 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 you uh did you find it to be a difficult uh, uh angle to approach or was it uh pretty natural for you? Because me talking to someone about budgeting their money and uh you know being fiscally responsible, uh-huh. um I, I naturally feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, and I think that that contributes a part to me um to a part of me uh being a natural asshole also because <laughs> like i say that that's a big deal for me going forward and not only with you know a mate that i'm going to be in an re- intimate relationship with even business partners and things you know i still want to get um a sense of uh uh, 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 get some type of idea of how they feel about money and mm-hmm. whether or not our ideologies about managing money and how it should be used responsibly is going to be a problem for us going down the road. Yeah, 1000%. I would say it came, well, you and I would say are similar. You know, I'm a Sagittarius. Some people say I'm very direct, other people say I'm uh-huh. blunt. So I get the asshole notion at times as well. <laughs> so with me, when I, when it came, when it comes to talking about financing and being financially responsible it comes naturally because it's something that I practice myself and I see the value in it and and and, you know someone who I see could use some help or maybe struggling or sees it finances as more of a challenge I'm like oh well shoot I got this tool that I use so here that's kind of how I look at it gotcha now let me let me ask you a quick question here um because I think one of the biggest um problems that uh couples have also is outside influences from their family and friends. Mm -hmm. But when you take a look at um, the family and friends that are closest to you and Corey, and you look at how they handle their money, would you say that they have most of their conflicts and uh, issues 
um, evolved around um, money and the way they spend the money, or is it more so related to other things outside of money? So if I take a look at our, uh, how do you, like our immediate community, what do they call it? What's the, what's the term for it? Your um, inner circle? Not, your, not just your inner circle, your, ah, it's on the tip of my tongue. It'll come back to me later. But it, as okay. I just assess those who are around me, you know, obviously you're in our, our life. Um, we have a good, we definitely have a good gauge for noticing someone's financial situation. Just uh -huh. looking at how they carry themselves, their approach, their mindset towards money. Um, immediately off the back, when I talk to someone, whether they're in my immediate circle or not, within like two minutes of the conversation, I can tell if they have a scarcity mindset or an abundance yes. mindset. Um, and typically when the person has an abundance mindset, there, there are some habits that come with that. And typically right. when a person has a scarcity mindset, there's the habits that come with that as well. Um, so in short, again, to answer that, answer that question, I would say it's a, it's a happy medium of both in our families um, and, and amongst our friends. But we are able to see those who are in positions that we want to be in. And, and those are the people that we tend to have money conversations with seek advice you know someone like yourself we, you know i'm always calling you like yo shy uh should i invest in this or i'm like yo uh, what is this business yada yada me so i think it's yeah. important to have um a diverse amount of people around you but people that are also in positions that you want to see yourself in because that you know it's a they're able to educate you and you're able to learn from them at least when it comes to finances Right, yeah, now that, that's that's one of the things that I oftentimes bring up to Sheen all the time, um, um, and that is, is that I'm always telling her that I don't want to always be the uh, most successful um, person financially in the circles that I move in, Absolutely. because if I'm the most successful, then everybody's learning from me, and I'm getting no, no, uh, you know, uh, knowledge paid for to me, yeah. um, so um, I don't have, we don't have a happy medium, um, yeah, to be honest. Uh, most of the people um, that we would say that are in the same uh, uh, financial realm that we are, they're probably on the East Coast. And that's why we also do so much travel back to the South mm -hmm. and to the East, um, whereas out here in California, um, you know, um, a lot of the people and couples around us um, on the surface they look like they're doing a whole lot better because they drive nicer cars. Um, they go to nicer restaurants and they're doing things uh, in, you know, Hollywood that seems a whole lot more glamorous and glitzy. Man, um, everything out here is for show. Everything yeah. out here is for show. Yeah, it's when crazy. you pull back them curtains, man, uh, <laughs> they struggling. struggling. They living off of credit cards, um, don't have no plans, don't have any um, real uh, resources to invest in their kids, to put right. their kids in a great situation. And uh, like I say, I, we don't have a happy medium with everyone around us out here on the West Coast. Um, and so um, to kind of balance that out and get that happy medium, we typically have to uh, incorporate um, most of our friends and family back uh, towards the East and the South. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. And, and it's funny how you mentioned the West Coast. It's like uh, it, what influences people's lifestyle is the culture around them as well. And, yeah. and when, you were, when you were talking about, um, you know, some of the red flags you notice in 
certain people out here in the West Coast, I could only imagine what the data scene is like because everybody's chasing the hottest thing or the trendiest thing just to look the part and not so much be in a position to afford the part. Exactly. I, I've been out here in Southern California for 17 years and you are uh, literally the fourth person that I consider my friend out of 17 years. Oh, um, so thank you, thank you. <laughs> that, but that's that that's that's how few and far between yeah. people that you meet out here that are generally on the same page as you and have the same mindset and um, have a, a long-term outlook towards where they want to be. Um, because like you said, everything out here is just for show. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've had uh, numerous people out here tell me like, man, that's not how we do it on the West Coast. You got to have rims on your car. You got to have a gold chain. You got to wear fresh sneakers. And I'm like, man, I ain't got to do none of that. Right. I, I prefer <laughs> I prefer having three to four thousand dollars of discretionary money in my pockets every Woo. month. Say that again. My, yeah, for me and my girl to travel and get life experiences and, and move around the world and do different things outside of Southern California. And uh, most people don't, uh, at least most of the people that we're around or in the environment that we're in, um, they don't they don't share those same sentiments. Mm-hmm. They would rather just be flossy and uh, the king of their domain within, you know, a 10 square mile radius. But uh, when they get back at home, they looking at uh, pink envelopes with overdue bills and, uh, you know, uh, robbing Peter to pay hard Paul to stay afloat. Yeah, and on that, on that note of uh, traveling the world and, and sharing experiences, I just took my first vacation in five years, Sean, last month, the end of last Somebody month. Went I, went over, I went over to Hawaii. Yeah, man. That yeah. was a beautiful thing, wasn't it? Oh, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. I, I'm I'm definitely gonna work traveling into my budget more often. But yeah, and, yeah, and I can tell you, Andre. To be honest, man, when you even if we go to Chicago, even if it's just for three or four days, mm-hmm. we get a chance to see a few uh, people, have dinner, break bread. But just that change of scenery from California yeah. to how people are doing it out in the Midwest, and to see. Um, just people making different types of moves and just on different levels. When you come back to your home base, it, it allows you to still put things in perspective and have that balance uh, that you see. Because I, I tell my kids all the time that uh, if you uh, uh, associate yourself with four broke people, I can promise you looking at you is the fifth broke person. Number five, um, broken proud. <laughs> yeah, and I, I constantly, uh, I constantly used to stay on them like that. But uh, I'm so proud of uh, all three of my kids because I'm starting to wear off on them, or maybe they're just starting to mature now. Yeah. But the moves they're making in the circles that they're moving in, um, I see that they they are making some sound decisions now, and I'm very happy with you know the path that they're all on. That's beautiful. It sounds like they're gonna carry the legacy nice and well. Yeah, I mean, not trying to live above their means, not worried about designer this, not worried about what the next person think, and not having to uh, have the latest and the greatest gadget to feel like they fit in. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff seems to matter to my kids anymore, and I couldn't be uh, more proud of that because I think that they are getting on the same type of uh, financial uh, ideology and mindset that I'm on, and um, I can only hope and pray that 
as they move forward and continue to build on that as they go into their relationships and try to build a bond with uh, their mates that they uh, have the wherewithal to also um, get into the right type of relationship. Because like we said, starting off, um, the worst financial mistake you can ever make is choosing the wrong mate. Right. And what I'm hearing you say in, in, in shedding light on your children's journey is that one of the key things that you sought out to when defining or deciding who you would like to live life with was incorporating conversations about family planning how you going to invest in your children's future not only just from finances but education not only just going to school but also the the the, the social things you know the mindset you have to instill in, in, in those kids absolutely and i think i went overboard with my kids as far as the family planning and uh, for, for the listeners out there, when I say family planning, um, I'm basically talking about uh, not having any unplanned babies. So I've, I've <laughs> kind of stood on my kid's neck um, ever since they're around the age 12, 13, and told them that uh, that's unacceptable. Um, um, I even had a running joke that was also not a joke, but um, I didn't want any grandkids before the age of 55. I'm 54 now. So uh, they're getting ready to get into the uh, free zone in another 12 months. But um, I really uh, wanted my kids to get out there um, and cut their teeth, get whatever skill set they need to be able to make their own money, stand on their own two feet and be able to provide for themselves and get situated before they bring another child into the world. And, um, uh, you know, I have a uh, Savy D is the youngest. He's 23. And uh, he doesn't, he, he's, he just told me uh, two days ago, he doesn't plan on having any kids for at least the next three years. Um, you know, I have one daughter that's 33. She's, she's always said that she doesn't want the responsibility of a kid. And then um, I have uh, Eliza who's right in the middle, who surprisingly is now starting to come out of her shell. And the last four conversations we've had between um, last week and maybe um, Memorial Day weekend has evolved around how does she screen and filter out all the guys coming after her to make sure that she finds a guy like me. And, and so I'm, <laughs> and I'm always talking about, what do you mean a guy like me? She's like, well, I don't want to make a mistake and, and not be in a relationship and end up getting emotionally attached to someone who doesn't have the same few points that you have. You know, you yeah. being that into the household, you being a provider, and you, uh, you know, giving the type of leadership and understanding um, how to be the head of the household, um, and, and and make sure that all of all the decisions that are made is ultimately in the best interest of all of us and not just yourself. And so, um, I think Elijah is like uh, at full full bloom now, and she's out there actively looking to start dating. It's just that um, I've uh, probably created a, a standard that's too high and uh, I might have put in a bad predicament because I don't think, and this is what I, and in all my conversations I've been having with her has been about, you know, when you look at other races of people, uh, most uh, females and other uh, nationalities and other races, they understand early on that the guy that they meet 
is mm -hmm. young in their age. And so they are going to have to build together whatever they want out of life. And I think that's a big uh uh, uh, disconnect in our culture and our community because I think a lot of our young girls are taught um, early on to find a baller. They want to find someone who's already established and uh, has already built an empire and they want to step into that situation on day one. And I and if you see all the noise and chaos on social media and around the Black culture about, you know, high-value men, I think that... Uh, lends credibility to what I'm saying. And, and I, I kind of hope that that's not a situation that I've created for, uh, you know, my daughters, especially Eliza, where she's only 25 and she's, uh, you know, looking to step into a situation where um, she's dating someone that's somewhere around her age or maybe a few years older, but already has built his empire and is well established. Yeah. The only thing that I can say to that is uh, great job, great job raising her, great job getting her to the point where she's now asking these questions. I think, unfortunately, a lot of um, people don't seek the advice of elders when it comes to dating. And that's a huge step within itself, even though, you know, you're questioning whether or not you may have created a monster for her. I think the beauty of it is, is that she's open and having these conversations with you because absolutely, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I can't count on my, both my hands, how many young adults her age are doing that. So that's, that's, yeah. that's a, that's a blessing within itself. And that's a huge step forward in the right direction. Yeah. My whole thing, Andre is typically uh, what I look for in a mate and what I teach my kids and, and what I talk to clients about all the time is uh, you want to be able to identify someone that is equally yoked to you mm -hmm. um, and they're and willing to come into a situation where they understand that saving and investing is everything and that's the key to their future going forward. Absolutely. And equally yoked doesn't always have to directly correlate to making the same amount of money as you. Equally yoked can be directly correlated to mindset. Has, shares the same morals and values as you, shares the same goals and ambitions in life, shares the same habits that are moving towards those goals and ambitions. And there Absolutely. are moments where one person may have this and the other person may have that, but then that's when you guys collectively come together and, and flourish. Exactly, and build something together. And I, and I think if I had one thing um, that I wanted to uh, say, um, I got my message over to our audience that went, uh, today is, is that, um, we have to educate um, our uh, uh, generations coming behind us with financial literacy, um, but also get them to understand that um, they have to find someone and then they have to commit and build something together. Chances are they're not going to step outside and run into someone who already has a billion dollar empire that they can just walk into. And then from that point, there's only one uh, difficult situation that you have to deal with as a relation, um, as a relationship when it comes to your mate. And, and I think this here changes over time as you grow and mature and you live through your own personal experiences. Um, but I, I, I expect every cup out there, and I think you and Corey will go through the same uh, situation when y'all get to that fork in the road. Um, but uh, you know, 
um, couples oftentimes can never get together on um, how to invest in their children's future. You know, starting with the biggest argument that I see all the time is whether or not you're going to send your child to a private school to get a private education. So that's, that's always a really big one because if you want them to get that private education on the front end, now you're paying anywhere from eight to $40,000 a year for them to go to a private school. Right. And then you have to take a look at once they hit age 18, um, so often in our culture, by the time you hit 16, uh, big mama them asking you to get a job and help pitch in to pay the bills. <laughs> but, but oftentimes um, the children need help beyond 18. And I know me personally, when I was much younger, that was my mindset, get my kids um, raised um, and, and teach them how to go out and, 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 and care for themselves. Um, but at 18, cut them loose. And uh, here I am now with my youngest child, 23, and um, I'm providing financial support to my kids up until age 26 um, and willing to do it up to age 30 if need be. Yeah, and that's huge. I was, uh, can't remember what I was listening to this past week, but they were addressing that, how basically just cutting the, the umbilical cord, just cutting ties with your child at 18 and sending them on their way. A lot of kids require different means of like nurture and care. Right. And 18 is such a young age to, to, to expect someone to be just prepared for everything the world has to offer. And, 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 and that comes with the pros and the cons. Like the world is, it's, it's hard out here. I, like it's challenging to live a healthy life a financially responsible life is challenging life throws a lot of obstacles at you and and for for most kids especially nowadays coming out of college or coming out of high school to do it at 18 it requires a lot of strength and and wisdom and and, and that's the that's the irony andre because i think for the uh generation that's out there nine i'm i'm, I'm basically talking about those between the ages of 25 to 40 mm -hmm. um at least in our culture i would say um over 90 percent of them um grew up in a situation where their support from their parents was cut off at age 18. Um, you don't you don't really have any experience of going to college you don't have any additional skill sets um, all you really have is that high school education and you're only really qualified for, you know, uh, entry level type work that doesn't pay a whole lot. So mm -hmm. I think the whole generation out here now that's um, looking for a mate to build something with, a lot of them um, are suffer from uh, being cut off at age 18 and having to fend for themselves. And so now you find them getting into a relationship and oftentimes all these things we've talked about today of, uh, you know, uh, to uh, use to choose a compatible mate, um, those things are, are really counterproductive uh, to their personal experiences and what um, they need to uh, do to actually have a successful relationship when it comes to their finances. 1,000%. Well, shoot, Shai, we covered a lot today. I think if we could leave the people with anything, let's try and just uh, run through real quick the top 11 things that we, we believe are proven techniques to help someone find a compatible mate while keeping Absolutely. money at the forefront. What would you say? Uh, give me the first five. Uh, the first 
point would be uh, if there's going to be a huge difference in your earnings, you all have to address that up front, especially from the male standpoint. And he has to be OK with um, his mate uh, earning more money um, than he uh, does. Uh, of course, if you don't have a budget to manage your cash flow, um, that's going to cause problems. And if one mate is definitely a budget person and the other one isn't, that could cause issues. Uh, you know, your priorities. Are you a person that likes to spend and live for the moment? Or are you a more frugal person in long term um, that likes to save and always look out uh, for those rainy days in the future? And then, of course, what type of uh, outside influences does your family and friends uh, have on, on you and your mate? And then um, how, how well or how um, poorly you use credit? Those okay. would be top top five of things that you really need to take a look at when trying to find an idea, mate. And I and I would add to that having a strong foundation in your relationship of some sort. I would say, you know, and Corey and I's relate Corey and I's relationship, God is like a strong having a relationship with God is a strong foundation. I'm sorry, is a strong is the pillar in which the foundation is built on. So yeah, regardless yes, of whatever we go through, we always resort back to that to keep us grounded and keeping us intact and moving forward. So whatever that looks like to you all out there listening, I would encourage you to build your relationship on a strong, solid foundation um, and definitely include communication as a key piece to that. Being, yeah, that, being no, open to communicate about everything, finances, traumas, likes, dislikes, goals, all of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, 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 but some key things are um, you, you definitely, uh, whatever your mindset is, um, if you have saving and investing at the forefront of what you need to do to get to where you want to be in the future, your mate has to be willing to also go down that same path of saving and investing to get you all um, where you want to be. Um, but in addition to that, you all have to be on the same page as far as family planning, how many children you want to have and not saying, oops, uh, we got pregnant by mistake, but, you know, strategically sitting down together and plotting out when you decide, uh, you know, start or expand your family. Um, you definitely want to have someone that's not uh, uh, investing in living beyond their means to put on a show for the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as you grow um, and get to know each other more and more over time and as you get older, of course, your viewpoints are going to change about a variety of things. Um, but the number one thing that you should not do uh, in a relationship is uh, keep financial secrets. I would say that is the biggest deal breaker for uh, any couple when one mate finds out that the other mate has a secret stash of money. Mm -hmm. that's a, that, that's that, that, that that's almost a 90% guarantee that the relationship is over right there because that secret stash of money means that you're using that to fund whatever secrets you're trying to hide right 1000% well DJ dividends aka the people's favorite financial uncle do you have any book recommendations to wrap up today's podcast oh yes sir man I have a great one today and uh this one here is uh this was a great book and uh 
uh, it's great also if you're trying to build a relationship with someone that you really like and you're really feeling and into and they're in the YouTube. But the book is uh, called 400 Questions to Enjoy, Reflect, and Connect with Your Partner. It's a book by uh, Maggie Reyes, and uh, it'll probably take you a year to go through this here questionnaire. But uh, if you're open and honest and you're trying to build a relationship with someone, this is a great book. These here questions will really be something fun to do. And you can do it with other couples as well. Well, shoot, I might have to get that book for the house then. I had to get a couple day nights going, reading the book. <laughs> yeah, that great book, man. Well, folks, thank you all for tuning in. Before we go, I would like to remind you all that we do have a Patreon account. And Scrappy is snoring. He is asleep. He is loud. So if you hear that, that's him. But, um, yeah, we do have a Patreon account. You can head over to I Got Sense Podcast on Patreon.com. And on there, you'll get some extended information and value in relation to finances from the man, the myth, the legend himself, Cheyenne Simmons. Um, Right now, I want to say we're approaching 30, if not already have 30 members in the Patreon account. We're looking to get 100 of you guys by the summertime. So once we hit that 100, we have a $100 giveaway, I believe it was. And then once we hit our next milestone, we'll have another giveaway. So tell your family, your friends, your aunties, your uncles, all of them, all of them. Tell them all about the podcast and tell them all about the Patreon account. Absolutely, man. And they got to they gotta stay tuned and uh, know that the uh, stock market uh, comes and goes and cycles. So we've probably seen slowdown on the uh, membership on the Patreon and then also in the uh, 10K challenge because we are in a recession and, uh, you know, the, the market is pulled back a little bit. But uh, if you listen to enough of the podcast and stick with us, you all will know and, 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 and have the knowledge that uh, when we're in a recession like this and the market pulls back, that means that um, all your favorite companies are on sale. And this oh, is the time to get out there and start getting those stocks. So, hey, y'all stick with us. Um, get to get out here and take advantage of these sales. And uh, trust me, two, three years from now, you won't regret it. You'll be in a great position, looking really, really good. And uh, you'll probably consider yourself a little financial expert by that time. Well, shoot, I know I kind of am nowadays. So uh, to that point, yes, you will. <laughs> yes, sir. Because <laughs> Andre, man, when you started out, you was asking me the difference between a stock, uh, you know, a stock and a mutual fund. And yep. uh, man, you about ready to go over there and take over one of the major stock brokerage firms. Now <laughs> you're out, you out here balling out of control, teaching me some things. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I learned from the best of them. <laughs> uh, well, we'll holla at y'all next time, y'all. Peace. Yes, sir. Peace out. All right, I'm going to end it there.